creating like an intentional exclusive community it sort of creates like a vip experience where your community members not just community members but your audience can come into a space and they can have conversations about your product and they can further advocate for you externally and bring more members into your community so it's like a marketing cycle and sort of gives like a word of mouth which is less expensive than marketing Welcome to the State of Customer Storytelling Podcast, the show that is all about helping you as a B2B marketing leader get the info on the most current practices related to customer marketing and customer storytelling. Uh, So you can make customer stories your competitive advantage. Uh, The State of Customer Storytelling is brought to you by Testimonial Hero. Testimonial Hero helps over 300 B2B software companies easily create stunning video testimonials that close deals faster. You can view examples and find out more at testimonialhero.com. Our guest today on the show is Jephta Abu, Community Manager at Meritas. Jeff is a community consultant based in Lagos, Nigeria. He's also a public speaker and a advocate for uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Jeff, it's a pleasure to have you on. Welcome to the show. It's a pleasure to be here. Like I was waiting for you to say I'm Lagos because most times everyone always messes up like the pronunciation. So it's actually Lagos, like Lagos. <laughs> Perfect. So yeah, it's awesome to be here, Sam. Like, great to be here. Amazing. Well, you're the first uh, person from Lagos we've had on the show, so uh, I appreciate that correction, um, and uh, that's that's super helpful for me. Uh, for the first question, just to kick things off, um, I know you have a ton of experience in the uh, community space. Um, where does, in in your opinion, you know, where does community uh, fit into this kind of overarching umbrella of of customer marketing and, and customer advocacy? Awesome. Awesome. Thank you for that awesome question. The thing about customer marketing and customer advocacy is you are creating marketing strategies around like what the customer want exactly. So how does community fit is basically community sort of creates a relationship. In the community club or part of the communities I always belong to, they always say community is bi-directional. Brands want to have that bi-directional communication with their audience. They want to know what their audience thinks. And rather than make like huge research or post on social media, you have loyal followers or loyal users in your community, in your space. You're able to ask these customers what exactly they want, what exactly they need, and what they exactly they want to see. And it's cheap too. Like you don't need to spend so much money. Like you can just create a community. You can create a Slack community, a Discord community. You just a quick poll or a quick survey and you're able to get like so much responses. So community plays a big role for any brand that wants to have that sort of close-knitted relationship with their audience or with their users as well. It's such a good point. And, um, you know, you mentioned, you know, the the market research potential and, you know, especially as well, it's like the uh, customer story potential, right? Like one of the biggest uh, challenges I think we we can run into in customer marketing is like in customer advocacy is, you know, well, surfacing, surfacing the, the stories, 
you know, identifying them and then actually, you know, making the ask and, you know, having that, that community right there makes it so much easier to, to do all those things. Yeah, definitely. Like, think about it, how much Google ads, Facebook ads cost and think about how much you're spending in the community. You're just spending on mostly your engagement. You want to keep your community engaged. But the amount of money you spend on Google Ads alone, just slash half and invest in your community. And the returns, the ROI will be so crazy. But most brands are just starting to realize the power of community. Like, especially with the emergence of like Web3 and crypto companies, like there's a need for community. There's a need for a space for you to um, advocate and engage with your users in a safe, needed space so you are sort of creating like an intentional exclusive community because it sort of creates like a vip experience where your community members not just community members but your audience can come into a space and they can have conversations about your product and they can further advocate for you externally and bring more members into your community so it's like a marketing cycle or should i say a community cycle of marketing where more members enter your community. They advocate for more members to join and sort of gives like a word of mouth, which is less expensive than marketing. Such a good point. And I think one thing I know that where I've been hung up on, you know, because we, we per, I participate in a lot of communities, full disclosure, we do not, you know, have a, a community yet. I know for myself, I've kind of felt like, oh, like we, sh- we can't start a community until we have like a plan to like, you know, create, add value in the community. Like there's got to be this really well thought out plan. And like, there's got to be a reason for people to join. Is that, I mean, is that something you run into and am I overthinking it? Or, you know, how do you think about that? Just like broadly, like this, this idea that like, you know, cause people, people's time, you know, is scarce. They're probably like in, you know, a couple communities already you know, if I'm starting a new community, how do you think about like this concept, this like value add and just making it like worth it to participate? Or am I actually just overthinking it? it? I just need to go out there and start. I feel like you're not alone. Like I overthink a lot of things, like a lot of things, even what to wear. Um, I think just three words, that's, I would say, that's a minimum viable community. So I think we know what, I don't know if we know what a minimum viable product is, like sort of remove the P and yep. replace it with a community. So a minimum viable community is like a test community to see how results were engaged. So it doesn't really need to be a high level of community members. Like 10 is even okay. Five is okay. By interacting with them and sort of creating like a test, you're able to like get more feedback because this is how most communities that are big started off by having like users, just like 10 or five people that, you regularly engage with bringing them to your community, getting feedback, and you're able to like create more strategies to get more people on board. And I'll say it's not all. Um, I think the most important thing when creating a community is what is the goal of a community? Is the goal of your community customer um, support? Is it customer advocacy? Is it for um, relationship? Is it for like a lot of things? A lot of brands just open community for like it's the trending thing now. Let's open the community. Then you have community members or you have a population of like 10K community members and only five people are talking. That doesn't show you an active brand. It doesn't show sort of interaction. So there's a quick diagnosis tools I learned that I also use to like measure or I used to like, okay, I want to create a community. Like how do I create a community? So it's called a capital C community. 
So a capital C, C stands for concrete. When you are creating a community, what is your plan? What is the goal of that community? Like, is it for success? Is it for a relationship? Is it for research? So that's capital C. Then you have the A, allows a response. Most active community, like I said, is bi-directional. You want to have communication in such a way that you and your audience can communicate. So that stands for A. Then P means there's a platform. Your platform matters so much in your community because, for example, NFTs and crypto communities, most of them are on Discord, while some um, tech or SaaS companies, they are on Slack. So having a platform that can relate back to your audience is so important. Then I is interactive. One of the biggest things community managers do, like everyday activities, is interaction. How do you create engagement? How do you create a flow of communication? How do you generate that user-generated content in such a way that as a community manager, you don't have to talk so much. Your community is talking for you. That's I. Where am I in capital? C-A-P-I-T. That's T. So T is trackable. One of the things you are doing as a community manager is you are creating metrics that you can sort of relate back to your executives. That okay, this is the importance of community. This is a healthy community member versus a non-healthy community member. How do we tie that back to our business model? What is the community benefiting us? Are we actually making money? So it's trackable. Then A again is allows in and out. Like you allow a platform in such a way that community members can go in and out. Some communities is so difficult to join and it's so difficult to leave. So it sort of creates that, uh, it's not a safe space because sometimes it can get overwhelming. Then I think where am I on capital? <laughs> I think I'm on L. L. Yeah. So L is levels. So there's a thing in, com- in community management called gamification. So gamification is just adding a game element to your community, such a way that it creates engagement. So you have some Discord channels where you have ranks and you have like levels. So your, your goal as a community manager is to make sure everyone is on the same level, even though there's a different rank. By being on the same level, I mean like I, I want to reach out to the CEO of my company and the person is on Slack. I can message that person and get a real-time response. So that's just a quick diagnosis tool I use before I build like any community. Like how do I create a capital C community that has all these elements? That's that's awesome. I love that uh, that acronym. I want to circle back on one of the first things that you said that you know is I think is so powerful is like what's the the goal of the community and and being intentional about that. Do you think that like you know so if I was starting you know my minimum viable community, which I also is a great model, you know, because I'm very familiar with MVP you know product you know model. So like you know I love that you know MVC idea. Is it do I really do I need to pick a single goal or, you know, is it okay to have like multiple goals? Because like, for example, like the easiest thing to do would be a community of like existing customers, right? Cause I already have those relationships. Yeah. Um, and that would have one goal, but maybe if I'm, if I'm kind of, if I want to build an audience of, or if I, if I want to actually tap into my audience and then, you know, hopefully eventually can, you know, convert them to customers, you know, that, that's sort of another goal. Um, how do you think about that sort of, um, there's sort of that relationship, you know, do you, especially starting out, would you, how, how do you sort of, you know, think about that? And would you say it's better to just pick one single goal or, or yeah. Okay. At least to start. Okay. I, I think, I think let's look at community as a product. So let's say you have a SaaS product and the product enables you to buy groceries online. 
that is the goal of the product. Like that is what they are known for. But you have other features where you can also sell groceries, where you can also like um, get budget for groceries. But the goal of that product is just to buy groceries. So think of that or relate that back to community. What is the goal of your community? If it's for support, that is the main goal. But you still have communication. You still have channels for engagement. But you know the goal of your community is support. So I would say the best thing is have a goal, but you can have sub-goals under that main goal. Like what is the major goal? It doesn't pass. Most communities are made for one thing, but they end up like evolving into other things. But you still tie this evolved element back to the main goal. For example, if my community is just for support and I see like there's an engagement flow of black communicating, does this still mean that there will be there will not be a support channel there? There would be, but it's just an added benefit to my community. So I think by having that goal, you're also able to create strategies around what you are doing in that community. Like, do you need a support channel? Do you need an AMA? Do you need like a webinar? So I'll say have a goal, but have sub goals that tie back to your main goal. I don't know if that made sense, but yeah, it made, it made sense in my head. No, that, that, that absolutely makes sense. And, and I can see, and I've seen in communities that I've participated in that it absolutely, you know, does, you know, a great community kind of can grow in ways that, you know, you never would have anticipated, but, you know, can be, you know, very uh, powerful. Um, you also, one of the other kind of acronym letters, I think it was I for, you know, in the capital acronym for interaction. I think you mentioned um, being able to get to the point where the community members are you know, interacting with each other versus, you know, yeah, they're having everything, you know, spurred by the kind of a community manager, which is, of course, really powerful. What have you seen to that actually can enable that kind of more organic you know, interaction within communities um, between members, you know, just that organic interaction. Okay, awesome. Awesome question. So it's in community, it's called UGC. So UGC stands for user generated content. So most community members want to have, oh, sorry, most community managers want to have like high user generated content. And most of the active communities I've seen sort of give the community members that say, like you have threads about, the, it's mostly asking questions and conversations that makes a community active. Like when most active community, there's always a conversation. There's always a topic. There's always something being discussed. And the community, men, community managers, what community managers make, like early community managers make as like a mistake, is they tend to sort of reply all the posts because they want to like show they are doing a good job. But sometimes all you need to do is just tag someone that you feel knows this. Like it's called retargeting or retargeting, sorry. Like you tag someone, because of creates like link committee members to each other. Like, hey, this person might know what you want. Like, why don't you meet him? So you are giving an avenue for committee members to talk. Like, you are giving them the opportunity. Like, if someone asks a question, you don't answer it first. You leave that space for your committee members to answer it. And like I said, the most interactive communities I've seen that have high level or high UGC, there are always questions asked and all the community members are always asking it. Like they always want to give information. They always want to know. They always want to like respond. And by creating that thread, by giving the community member that space or that, try to use the word advocacy, like giving them the opportunity to talk and actually ask questions, sort of like makes your community interactive. And that's just one step. You also have your engagement strategies, whether it's having your AMAs, your webinars, your um 
talent lines, your like basic community strategies. Because the idea is you want to create the connection with each community member. And when these community members feel safe, they're able to ask more questions and they're able to give more responses to things you say or things the community says rather. It's it's interesting that you said, you know, basic engagement strategies because now, only now am I thinking, oh yeah, I've seen that happen, you know, in communities, yeah. you know, uh, I've been a part of and, and but I never kind of like put it together. You know, for people that run communities, those engagement strategies are basic, but, you know, for people like myself who have yet to, you know, launch a community, they're still, you know, relatively new. So yeah, tell, tell me more about that, you know, um, let's dive into those engagement strategies. You know, what are the basic strategies and sort of how do you think about prioritizing them or sort of layering them on? You know, and of course, I'm sure it's a question of how many resources you have available as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So you have your content community strategy, you have your community event strategy, and you have your community engagement strategy. So all this three components from your community strategy. Content is a very big key for community. Like, what is your community known for? Is it a SaaS brand? Is it a FinTech brand? So you are bringing content about FinTech products or FinTech ideas to your community. And this is where also UGC comes to play because you create an avenue where your community members can also like drop their resources, drop links to their blog. They have a particular channel you they can expose themselves or like market themselves then you have your community event strategy for a starting brand or a brand that is starting to community my best advice would be to take it slow like what i usually do is okay i usually plan my community strategy every six months like okay because as a community manager you definitely have to adjust and um change and be flexible with your plan so for a week you look at it what plans can be done weekly what can be done monthly and what can be done yearly. So your engagement strategies, you know, people get bored easily. Like if you keep doing the same thing, they'll definitely get bored and there's no value being added. So in your engagement strategy, what do you do weekly that people would engage with? Is it a um, show and tell? Is it a Friday karaoke night? Is it a taco Tuesday? These are just some ideas that I've seen that actually work well. Then you have your monthly most monthly engagement strategies cover around um, events, like having a community event about a particular topic relating to your product. It can be a fintech. You get people from, people even people from community can volunteer to speak, create an AMA and whatnot. Then yearly, you can have your end of year part community party. I think I attended one community party that was so awesome last year. Like it was a live bartender. So they sent all like ingredients for like a cocktail and i was in nigeria and i still got like the ingredients so i was like have my house up to you like this is awesome and we we're able to like create the drink with the bartender telling us what to do and as we we're making the drink we we're also talking about community and it was just an awesome experience so those kind of events are done yearly so like i said those then i think the next thing is now community engagement how do you create a sort of foster connection with each community member. So you can have Mitzi. Mitzi is a great tool to meet up like one-on-one. I think Donuts one, like is a bot on Slack where you get community members like just meet up, have a discussion. That one-on-one meetup would, like if 10 community members are doing one-on-one meetup, that's five-five. There's already a connection. So by doing one-on-one meetups, like 
each of them each year or each month, you are creating a human connection. So yeah, like those are just basic strategies you do. But for an early brand, you take it slow and look at it. What am I going to do weekly? What will be done monthly? And what will be done yearly? And sort of foster it into content events and um, human connection in your community to create your community strategy. That, yeah, that, that makes a ton of sense. And I lo- love the idea of just like that cadence and like what's re- realistic and also engaging on, on a weekly basis versus, you know, a quarterly basis and, and monthly, et cetera. Let's talk about kind of like, you know, the technology a little bit that's powering communities. Um, and I know you mentioned, you know, Slack earlier. I, I am certainly a part of a lot of communities on Slack. Uh, which on one hand, I like, it's very convenient because, you know, my main workspace is on Slack. On the other hand, it's like, it's a kind of a double-edged sword because I'm sort of competing with my my main, you know, focus of the day, like at my own company, right? And so I guess I'm curious, like, how, how do you, th- what, how do you think about the technology landscape out there right now for just like software tools to power community? And do you think, you know, it's like, you know, generally speaking, like Slack is probably the best for most people getting started just because it's so widely adopted and it's it's there's like less friction to join it. Or is it like Slack fatigue? Like everyone's in too many Slack groups. So it's like we're almost hesitant to join a new one. Yeah, I, I, I don't really know, but I'd love to hear your take on, on that sort of balance. Right. Awesome. Awesome. The truth is that they are, like, they are emerging community platforms now. For example, there's Mighty Networks. I think they are doing a great job. But the thing about Slack is that Slack is, Slack is familiar and familiarity sort of brings comfort. People are so used to Slack. There are so many platforms out there. And I learned that each platform is sort of related to your goal. For example, we have forum channels like Reddit, Quora. You have support channels for community like Zendex. You have social network communities like Slack, Discord. So how do you relate that back to your community? If your community is for support, you know Zendex is there. You know some other platforms are there. If your community is for like social interaction and like connection, you know Slack, Discord, Telegram is there. So it still brings us back to the goal. Most people don't know that there are so many community platforms you can use. Like there are so many based on your goal. Like if it's support, if it's human interaction, if it's connection, even if it's research. But like I said, Slack is familiar and familiar breeds comfort. Most part, you find it easier to like join Slack than to join like, most people never even know what Zendex is. So it sort of breeds that um, familiarity and comfort, which I feel like some committee managers should like advocate against because sometimes new technology can, new technology might not necessarily be better, but it might be more effective. So there are a lot of platforms that you can use as a community channel. And more platforms are even emerging. Like, I think I was talking to a founder about, like, a platform. A, she created a, a bot for Slack where you can, like, check out trending topics, trending emojis. You can get the members' health. So people are starting to see, like, the value of community. And they're starting to make more products that are very community-centered and more community-certified. What do you think about, you know, communities that sort of exist on social networks like say like LinkedIn, but sort of outside of those boundaries of um, uh, one specific like, you know, platform, I guess, because, well, uh, I've, you know, I've noticed that there's, there's a a couple brands on LinkedIn and it seems like, you know, they, they're really heavy on LinkedIn, you know, B2B LinkedIn content. 
and they're starting to think of their community, you know, more so as that there's like that, you know, you know, 400, 300, you know, 200 people that are always engaging with their posts. And there's that ongoing like community in the comments There's just, you know, it's sort of like that dynamic. I'd be curious, like, how do you think about that as like an alternate take on, you know, the sort of like the private community, right? It's like this like semi-public community by proxy on these platforms based more on the fact that the same group of people, you know, I guess, you know, quote unquote, a community is always engaging with this public content and the the kind of community kind of happens in, in the comment section. Okay, awesome. I think this just brings up the debate of audience versus community. Like social media is audience driven. Mm, great point. So like those are your audience. I might not necessarily be a fan of your product, but if I say a comment I want to talk about, definitely I'll talk about it. I mean, you brought up a very good topic. You said there are, there are 400 people actively engaging your products online, like whether it's on LinkedIn or on Facebook. But those are your audience members. Like, how do you create or how do you sort of bring those people closer to you in such a way that they feel safe? So that's where community comes to play. Community is your audience plus your loyal followers plus your users, like all in one. But your audience are just people that have interacted with your brand. People that have seen your brand somewhere, maybe they like a cute dog picture or they like a cute photo. Doesn't necessarily mean they're even interested in your brand. But for someone to actively join my community, they see value and they see something I'm bringing in. So I'll say like brands would say, okay, maybe we have a community in our social media page. I'll say that's like, to my own opinion, that's not your community. Those are just your audience. Even if they interact with your product, they are still your audience. But people that actively join, like make efforts to like sign up, write their email address, write their names to join your community. That means they see the value you are bringing. And it also helps when you are bringing these community members into your platform. Like I said, it helps you do quick research. It helps you like understand your community members better. Like there's a low hanging fruit there you can take. It's, it's sort of like it creates a traction or creates a flow of like connection with your community members that they feel valued and they feel like the brand listens to them. So I'll say it's just the typical debate of audience versus community. And it all falls down to the brand, which is more important for you, your audience or your community. That's a very important distinction. And that's a, I think that's you're exactly right. And I don't know if you've ever gotten this question. What about kind of having competitors in the same community? For example, um, you know, you're, if you're a software company, you're building a community, you know, you very likely you, you serve some, some competitors. Is that a, it, can that be a tricky, um, I mean, of course it depends on how you structure your community uh, for sure, but like, can that, that, you know, be a tricky uh, relationship to, to sort of a dynamic to navigate and, uh, or is that just not something that you, you really think about too much? And like, at the end of the day, it takes care of itself. But yeah, I'm curious, like, how do you think about this idea where like re in reality, like if you're starting a community, you're a B2B company, B2B software company, you probably have like multiple competitors in your community. Yeah. I think this, this is the first time I'm, I'm actually thinking about that. Like how do you handle competitors in your community? I feel like they'll definitely come when they see what you are doing. So um, I feel it's just a game of it to handle itself, to be honest, because every brand, like, most brands, whether like whether we like it or not, you see a sort of I like mirrored 
products, like some brands are similar, they are too similar. Whether they join your community or not, if they want to mirror your product, they will. So I would say it's just one of those things that will handle themselves because I, I, I always focus on like the human interaction and human connection. Like how do we make our customers feel safe? How even if you create the most, um, let's say the most touch-through um, onboarding process, your computers will still join because they want to see what you're talking about. They want to see what you're doing. But I think that, that idea is having like a private channel of maybe loyal customers that you know that, okay, if they want to test out a product that you can have. But I think most communities, they just do announcements. They don't really go deep in like, okay, we are thinking about these features. Because the truth is that there's most active community have like a feedback channel where customers can actually come and give feedback on their product. And it's with that feedback that you to build their product. I don't think most communities like just put it out there like, hey, we're thinking of this product. Actually, what they do is they reach out to like certain members on the communities that have been there, sort of create like a user A and B testing group and like get their feedback rather than just um, say, okay, I'm putting it out there for everyone to see. So I think it's that intentional exclusion I also talked about. Like your community is exclusive, but also inside that community, there's also an intentional exclusiveness and whatnot. That makes a, that makes a ton of sense. Um... And yeah, like you said, there can be layers, layers to the community and you can have that, you know, certain private channel for, you know, for your biggest kind of customers, your customer advisory board. And yeah, that, that makes, that makes a ton of sense. Um, this is, this has been great. Uh, winding down just a couple more questions. Um, I wanted to ask you about, you know, diversity, equity, and inclusion uh, within communities. Cause I know that's something that, you know, you're very passionate about. And specifically, I know there's some really uh, powerful reasons why, you know, to make that, you know, not only because it's the right thing to do, but like there's like it's really needs to be a strategic imperative for in a lot of reasons. Uh, But yeah, tell me more about that, because I know that is especially something that you've done a lot of work on. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I feel diversity, equity and inclusion. One thing I always say is you can't look at diversity in one spectrum. Like being in Nigeria, diversity means culture and tradition, but it means something different to someone in the U.S. or someone in Asia. So as a DI advocate or a community or even a brand that is interested in DI, you have to like understand what diversity, equity, and inclusion means to your customers based on what they feel. And I think that's when diver- that's in where intentional diversity comes to place because the truth is that I'm not a white man. I'm not Hispanic. I'm not Mexican. I don't know what it feels like to be a Mexican person. But if I ask a Mexican person, hey, what does it feel like to be like you? How does it feel like to be in the U.S.? I'm able to like get a perspective of what they feel like, of how they relate to their community or how they want to be treated. So I think being intentional about diversity is just having conversations and having that um, knowledge gap. Sorry, having that knowledge like urge to learn more about what diversity means to everyone in your community, not just in one spectrum. And there are definitely DEI strategies that you can use. Like I was talking about this earlier, like something that you should, most communities can do is how do you create cultural identity? Like how do you promote that intersectionality in your community? in such a safe way that your community members feel safe to have these discussions free from like prejudice or free from like bias. So that's when DEI strategies come into place. 
by asking your community members, by having conversations, by creating that safe space, by actively engaging them, by enabling them have like embrace their intersectionality. That's just how you create DEI strategies in your community. And definitely I'm passionate about it. I've joined some communities where I didn't feel a sense of belonging. And I left because obviously like I didn't want, I didn't feel safe. I didn't feel comfortable to actively contribute. So by having a diverse community, you're able to like get different opinions from different perspectives and different fields and also learn more because you learn. I, le- I learn a lot every day. You meet someone from Asia, the person will teach you a lot of things. Someone from Canada, someone from the US, someone from different parts of the world in your community, actively learning and actively contributing. I think that's what makes a very interactive community. Absolutely. And um uh, speaking of community, how did you, uh, you know, this is obviously something that you're passionate about, extremely knowledgeable about. Um, I've learned a ton from this conversation. I always like to learn, how did people get into, you know, what, what they got into? Um, how did you get into, um, you know, community and, and really make it such a big, you know, I guess specialty or you know, passion of your kind of professional uh, career? I love this question because like I've spoken to more than 40 committee managers and they all said the same thing like they just fell upon it like it just happened there's never a straight line but at the end it sort of connects it's like connect the dots you're connecting connecting then it forms like a shape so i've actually been like i was always involved in like volunteering i mean i loved connecting with people i love learning i was a program coordinator for an ngo like i think around 2015 16 and i've always been in tech I started off my career as a social media manager. I moved to cybersecurity. Like I was tutoring people. I was like, I wanted to be satisfied at one point, but I realized that I needed that human interaction. I, I wasn't so comfortable being on my laptop every day. I wanted to talk to people. So I sort of took like a break and I looked out for careers I can do where I can talk to people. And all of a sudden, like community management came up. I got a job as a social media a community manager. Then I was like, hey, what is a community manager? And I learned and I'm like, this is what I do for free. Like I've been doing this since 2016 like, and I was like, this is definitely my part. And community managers are, most community managers you meet are just like that. Like I've seen a butcher that became a community manager, a teacher, a musician. They always have like, not never the straightest career path, but at the end, it always connects. So I think anybody can be a community manager. There's no specialization. Like I have coding skills. I have digital marketing skills, but I'm still a community manager. So anyone can be a community manager. I love that. And uh, speaking of connecting uh, with people, where can uh, our listeners, if they want to get in touch, you know, what's the best way for them uh, to uh, connect with you? Awesome. Awesome. So I think the best way is probably LinkedIn. So my LinkedIn is just Jephthah Abu, like J-E-P-H-T-A-H, then space. A-B-U. And I'm also trying to be like a bit active on Twitter. So my Twitter is at J-E-P-H-T-A-H-A underscore. That's Jephtha A underscore. So like if you want to learn, if you want to like interact, if you want to connect with me, you can just follow me and shoot me like a message and I'll definitely answer. Fantastic. Uh, Jeff, this has been awesome. I learned a ton. I'm, I feel ready to start, uh, <laughs> you know, finally start my community. I feel like I have, I've got the framework uh, I've got the mindset, I've got, you know, the understanding of what I need. So this is awesome. I uh, really appreciate it. Th- this has been a lot of fun. Yeah. Awesome. So remember capital C, like anytime you want to be the community, just have that in your mind. 
and you also like create more awesome strategies around building your community. Perfect. That sounds great. Have a good one. Have a great one. Thank you so much, Sam. Alrighty, folks, that was another incredible episode of the State of Customer Storytelling podcast with Jephthah Abu. And wow, so many great insights there for, you know, whether you're, you know, starting a community or you've been running a community for a while, just a couple of things um, to underscore. And you can also find the full transcript uh, for this episode. Uh, if you want to review it at testimonialhero.com slash podcast, all the episode transcript and the show notes will be there. You know, one of a couple of my favorite takeaways, minimum viable community, this idea that you can test community with, you know, just five to 10 users. And, and then of course, you know, being intentional about the goal. Uh, what's the goal of the community and um, the capital acronym that C-A-P-I-T-A-L, you know, super powerful engagement strategies, having those, you know, what are you going to do weekly? What are you going to do monthly? What are you going to do quarterly? And, you know, we talked a lot about, you know, technology, the difference, the, the very important distinction uh, between audience and, and community. And yeah, so much more. So definitely encourage people to check out the transcript, check out the show notes. And uh, until next time, this has been the State of Customer Storytelling podcast from Testimonial Hero. And we'll see you in the next episode.